0: Well, good morning. We should have that kind of energy this time of day. Wouldn't that be awesome to have that? Man, love some uh, Dave Ramsey. Good, good, good stuff. Met the guy one time, and uh, he is that is who he is exactly. So it was uh, it's pretty cool. We're glad you're here today, and uh, we're kind of talking along that vein ourselves. But before we talk about that, I just want to mention we got some awesome things happening. Uh, financial pieces coming up in January, but yesterday was a phenomenal day. And anybody who was here would probably agree it was just uh, great. We had almost a hundred volunteers uh, that were serving. You guys are incredible. Can you give yourself a hands? Nothing else, all right? Or one another? Um, I tell you what, it was um, it was a super day. We had hundreds of kids and parents that came through, and uh, yeah, they saw Santa, but more importantly, they saw Jesus. Uh, the The gospel presentation was just awesome, great. But um, but then after that, we had a we had a commitment actually a kind of a uh, death visitation, and you guys just hung around, cleaned this place up in record time, and uh, I am so so proud of you, and appreciate you guys so much for serving and just everything that you've done, so thank you for that. I also want to mention that the uh, last couple of weeks, we have given you guys a chance to affirm our uh, leaders for next year, and so I want to report that our, our uh, elders for next year will be, a uh, new elders will be Dan Spradlin Gary Mitchell And the new deacon will be Mark Phipps, and then also the budget was approved as well. So we appreciate that, uh, just to kind of keep you in the loop. We are in a series called Living the Dream, and we're talking about how to manage these things that God's given us, kind of along the vein of what Ramsey was talking about a few moments ago. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how uh, uh, we have progressed through the years in purchasing things or acquiring things, You know, back in the day when nobody had much of anything except what they produced personally, there was a barter system where you would trade items or services for other things. And you kind of knew what you had because you looked around and you saw, okay, I've got this, but I need this. I can trade this for that. That was one way to to acquire something. And then there, you know, then people started getting cash and uh, nothing like cash. People would say, okay, I want that. And so you would pull out your wallet or whatever, your stash, and you would, you know, hand the bills. And you would know how much you have based on how much cash you had in your pocket. And that worked out pretty well. When you were out of cash, you were pretty much out of business. You had to stop buying, right? And, and then along came checks. And contrary to what some people thought, just because you had checks didn't mean you, could, you had money, right? We found that out the hard way. And so people would write a check, and uh, you know, hopefully you would kind of keep up with that. In fact, I'm told there were some people who actually at the end of the month would take their statement they got in the mail and their check register and balance those two things. I'm being a little sarcastic here, but, but people would actually do that and they would know again how much money they had by looking, you know, at the bottom line, all right? But then we know a few years ago this incredibly convenient uh, thing came along called a piece of plastic, uh, credit card first, then a debit card came along. And uh, you know what, we've all discovered that it's a lot easier and quicker to swipe a card than it is to write a check, right? And you've probably been in line and you see somebody in front of you hauling out that antique piece of plastic that has checks in it and you're going, oh my gosh, it's going to take forever to, you know, I've been there myself, you know, and I even write a few checks every now and then. A lot of you don't even know what a checkbook is, I, I thought about bringing one up to show you. Something from the history of the past, or what a checkbook is. But some of you don't write checks; you don't carry cash. You know, plastic is the way is the way that you roll. So uh, things have changed a whole lot. Then the last few years, um, people are buying stuff online. You know, and what I've found about that is, once you put your information in, it it actually stores it, and all you got to do is click. I mean, it's so easy; it's so extremely easy, and uh, and it's very painless. Painless. It's a whole lot easier to swipe your card or, or click a button than it is to hand somebody a chicken or a pig. You know, it's a whole lot easier. Uh, so, but what happened in this process now is it's become so easy and so painless that we have a higher chance of living in a state of financial fog. We don't know how much we have. You know, there's so many things swirling and so many things in process and, you know, that's going through that you may not be sure exactly where you are financially a lot of the time. Now, that's a problem in our country, but not really in every country. And I was reading this week about Germany, for example. Now, Germany, they don't do, uh, they don't manage debt like we do. They don't pay like we do. And that has gone back uh, to after World War II. A lot of things changed for them. As you can imagine, they were kind of the center of uh, a lot of conflict there with uh, the Nazis and and all of that. They were devastated in many ways. They were devastated with their reputation, devastated with their government, devastated with their infrastructure. And also, financially, they were destroyed. And so, when it was over, they were determined to rebuild themselves in a sound way. They were going to do it right this time. And so, they developed their currency. It was called the Mark, and it was a symbol of German pride. Then later on, when they changed to the euro, which almost all the European countries are, uh, use that. They insisted that there be a five hundred euro bill. Now that would be like a five hundred dollar bill. And very few of us would use those very often, but but they they insisted there be a five hundred euro, and they actually do almost all their business in cash. Eighty percent of the business done in Germany is in cash, and in their culture, there's a lot of pride in and how they manage their money, and honoring their obligations, being economically frugal, avoiding debt. In fact, they actually frown on the use of credit cards, and then cross the ocean to the U.S., and we are the opposite almost, aren't we? We are the opposite today. We have not learned the lessons that were experienced back in the Great Depression. Now, there are probably some in this room who actually lived during that time, more than likely, but I'm told it was a horrible time. A horrible time where cash was devalued, where where you know people just didn't have jobs and and people stood in line for food and it was a horrible time. Most of us here can probably remember the Great Recession of the late 2000s, and it wasn't nearly as bad, obviously, but it it, it hit a lot of people and destroyed a lot of businesses and a lot of a lot of uh, money was lost. But we don't remember how difficult that was, and for the most part, we lived, you know, just. We live just uh, moment to moment and paycheck to paycheck like we've talked about the last few weeks. But I've discovered that people who were back in the Great Depression, it was such an impactful time, they, for the most part, live a more frugal life, and they know what it's like to live on a limited income and maybe on a budget. They just handle their money better. So today, we truly are living the American dream as a a very wealthy nation, but we're not doing a very good job of managing what we have because it's easy for us to become very careless use money foolishly, and soon get very deep in debt. And so that's kind of why we're doing this series and talking about living the the dream and how to manage things better. We're talking about biblical principles. Uh, Go back and remind you about gratitude, about contentment, about humility and trust. We talked about them. And then we started talking about four biblical practices, debt-free living, savings, and today the third practice is budgeting. And you may be wondering how How and why is budgeting in the Bible? Is that a biblical practice? Let me tell you, it definitely is. By the time we get done, you're going to be surprised how much the Bible actually talks about that. Maybe not using that word, but about the basic practice and the principle so a budget is kind of like one of those bad words to a lot of us. It just sounds really threatening and limiting for all of us, but a budget is nothing more than a plan for our finances. Without a budget, it's very easy for us to overspend, to get into debt, and not be prepared when need arises. you got to have a budget. Now, here as a church, we understand that. We operate on a budget, and I know a lot of churches that don't do this. In fact, for, for many years, to be honest, the, uh, th- this church didn't do it. I mean, there was... Uh, There was a different, kind of a different way we managed money, and it was responsible and everything, but we didn't always live by a budget, but today we do. Every year at the end of the year, we have this plan that we submit. We look at our expected income from giving for the year. We look at our past experiences. We look at our fixed cost of doing business. We look at funding our ministries. We think about what are the new things we would like to do for, uh, for next year, and then we set a budget, and then we live by it. You know, a lot of times people come up to me and go, you know what we need to do? We need to do this. And almost this always requires money, almost always. We need to do this. And, you know, and I'm like, well, that's a good thing, but we don't have that in our budget. And we, we actually do live by a budget. We want to be responsible. We make decisions based on that, and we limit our spending to that. If we have unexpected expenses that come up, then we got to figure out how we're going to manage that. And I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that this year we had some unexpected expenses. We had uh, about 10 HVAC units that we had to replace. Now they, it wasn't totally unexpected because they've been going out a lot through the years and we've been patching them up and finally we said it's dumb to spend money on you know, old equipment and so we've had to buy some new ones. and, and So our extra giving this year is going to go toward that. That's how we're figuring out how to compensate for something that we didn't have in the budget. You know, we're just trying to, to do that wisely. So we understand that. But the whole process is not so different from your personal budget. When God blesses you with something, then God holds you accountable for that. It's a trust that God gives you this and says, okay, I'm going to put this in your care, and I'm trusting you. you got to do something well with it. And the the troubling thing in America is that we're not taking the trust that God's given us in a lot of ways. This great country, our incredible freedom, opportunity, our faith, But also our resources, we're not doing a very good job of managing this trust that God has handled to us. And so that's why we're kind of talking about this, but we also understand that we have to have a plan. We have to have a plan. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. If you're about to start something, you need to know how you're going to complete it, how you're going to manage it. You know, there was a perfect example that existed for probably 30 years, not quite a mile from us, and that was the castle. You know I remember when I was young, that that was like an empty shell. Uh, It had been started well, back in the 60s maybe or so, but for years and years it sat there totally, you know, just half, half done. It was fascinating, but, but there wasn't anything there. Now, later on someone bought it and now it, it is complete. But, but for years that was an example of it. Someone who began something but didn't finish it. And the Bible says that's kind of foolish to do that. The lesson that we learn here is to count the cost. To count the cost. It's foolish to rush into something unprepared or to waste the resources that you have. Now, that lesson applies to many things uh, uh, in many dimensions of life, even that of our personal finances, our resources. Here's the thing. If you're going to do something, you need to know in advance how you're going to do it, how you're going to finish it. And if you are going to think about managing what God's entrusted your care financially, you need to know that as well know how to, how to get the job done. If you're building a house or you're doing a project or you're buying a car or just managing your resources, you have to count the cost by having a budget. Here's what it, Proverbs 27 says, "'Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations.'" Now, the Bible, if you remember, was written in agricultural days. That was the culture of that day. So whenever they talked about knowing your flocks, it was like, okay, know what your animals are like. Know how many animals you have. Know the health of your animals. Know what they need. Care for them. You know how you're going to provide for them down the road, and uh, and you're just going to take care of them. Today, that translates into knowing the condition of your finances. Because most of us don't have a lot of animals, except your dog, maybe. Know about your dogs, but more importantly, know about your finances, the condition of your bank account, your assets, your property, your debt, your protection from crisis, every aspect of your finances. You know, there are people who, who give so little oversight of what they have that they don't even know, you know, how your retirement is going, what, you know, how interest you're making. Is there a better way to do that? As, uh, as the economy changes, there are things that you ought to know about. So I would encourage you, don't just say, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and then never look at it again. Don't just assume that your, everything, your checking account is fine. You need to check that. That's why the, the balancing is a great idea that people don't often do anymore. But, and it's done differently, obviously, now online or whatever, but, but budgeting is important. Know the condition of your, of your possessions. So budgeting is kind of planning and for your finances, and there are several examples of that in the Bible. For example, last week we talked about Joseph, Joseph who was put in, in charge of gathering and dispersing grain in Egypt during the time of first prosperity and then a time of famine. Joseph budgeted things out. Nehemiah, who later on led the Israelites back to Jerusalem out of Babylonian captivity and rebuilt the wall. He had a limited amount of time, a limited amount of money, a limited amount of resources uh, and people and labor to do that and he, he had a budget and he accomplished the work. In the New Testament, the early church had a problem with managing food distribution among the widows. There were some widows who were not being cared for but being neglected and so they figured out a plan and uh, they delegated the responsibility and the need was met. Even Jesus was a great budgeter, not of money necessarily, but of his mission. Jesus had a plan for winning the world to himself. He didn't just come in haphazard going, I'm going to try to do something great. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He gathered his followers together. He taught them. He invested in them. He chose 12 to invest primarily in, and then he sent them out on a mission into the world to make more disciples by teaching them, then baptizing them, and then teaching them to obey everything else. He also promised to send the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to give you some help, some assistance in this process, which would be God's presence to be with them on a personal basis. They were to go out first to Jerusalem, then, which was the city that they began in. Then they would go to Judea, which was the country they were in. Then Samaria, which was the neighboring country. And then he said to go into all the world. Now, if that doesn't sound like budgeting or planning, I don't know what is. He knew exactly what they were to do. He told them exactly how to go do it. So, with his strategy and his plan, the gospel has gone around the world. Now, let's kind of use that principle today when it comes to our own idea of budgeting our money. And that is that God has blessed you and God's given you resources in the form of money that come in for most people on a regular basis. And a budget is simply a way to do something with that. To do something with it. If you don't have a plan for what you have, you're going to find a way to use it or waste it. Something's going to happen to it, I promise you. So I want you to think of a budget kind of like a, a directional sign. And I think we've got a little graphic here to kind of illustrate that. You've got a pot of money in the middle, and something's going to happen to it. You're going to do something with it. And so what a budget is is just telling it what to do. You want to tell your money what you want it to go, where you want it to go and what you want it to do when it gets there rather than wondering what it went and did. That's where most of us are. You ever done that? Like, I don't know. We, I thought we had enough. You know, I thought we had enough money, but now I don't know where it is, and I don't, I don't really know where it went. That's, you know, that's a problem that most of us experience. And a lot of people, I have people all the time that say, "Well, if I had enough money, I would budget." it. I don't have enough money to budget, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, because you can take any amount and budget it. It really isn't about how much money that you make, because here's why: because your yearnings will always exceed your earnings. Your yearnings will always exceed your earnings. I don't care how much you make, how much or how little, you're always going to want more. This is not how much you have. This is about wisely using what God's given you. Now, here's a really interesting thing to do and a terrifying thing at the same time, and that is to go back sometime and see where your money went. See where your money went. That's, that is a... I mean, that is a... Uh, A serious thing, it'll really kind of scare you when you do it. So here's what you do. You go back and you look at your checkbook, you write checks, look at your statement, look at the app on your phone, this is where we're at today, or whatever you can to see where your money went. And most people don't know. But if you look at that, you're going to see that you spent your money in places you did not plan to, and you spent it in places that probably wasn't smart to. You're spending a lot of money here or there, and it's going to be a little scary to know that because most people probably do not know where their money goes. And then once you figure out where it goes, then you need to sit down with your spouse, if you're married, and talk about your financial goals. Here's a really important goal. Pay your bills. That's, a, that's an important go- a goal that you have. But there's also other goals as well. What are your immediate needs, your short-term needs, or your wants, your long-term needs and wants? And then you make a plan. It's as simple as that. Make a plan for a month at a time. I think why a lot of us get kind of confused is that we think about looking down the road and, you know, and, and living by this, and it's scary, but I would encourage you to make a plan for a month at a time. List all the sources of income that you have, that is your paycheck, your bonuses, your commissions, money you hope to find on the street, you know, whatever you might dream about. You know, list all those things down and say, okay, this is where it's going to come from, and then list your expenses. List your expenses uh, together. You you might want to group them in categories. For example, you might say, okay, this is my, my car. This is what it takes to have a car, car payment, insurance, gas, and maintenance, or maybe housing, which is your mortgage, your utilities, your taxes, your insurance, repairs furnishings, all those things that it takes to have a home. And then think about your health care, your insurance, your medical, dental, eye, all those sort of things. Then think about other expenses, your cell phone, your clothes, your credit cards if you have them, food, taxes, personal expenses, recreation, school loans, school expenses, charitable giving. A little overwhelming, isn't it? But you know what? You pay those bills every month, you just don't think about how you pay them. But you, you pay them then, you, you're doing those things already. Financial Peace University. I want to put a plug in for that because it will help you look at these. It's got you know uh, worksheets and everything else, but it will help you figure those things out. And in the process, plug in what you're paying. It just takes a little bit of time. It kind of gets fun once you do it. But plug in the dollar amounts for each item, and, and I would encourage you to spend spend every dollar on paper before you before you get it before the month begins. Give every dollar a job. Total up your expenses. And then subtract them from your income. Now, here's the thing if your expenses are more than your income, then you have a problem. You just found out what, ha- what, what the issue is with your money because you're spending more than you're making, and you maybe didn't know that before. And you gotta acknowledge hey, there's a problem right there. But hopefully, your income's gonna be more, and then decide what you're gonna do with the extra income that you have. You're gonna spend it somewhere. All of us do, <laughs> so make it count. Pay off a loan. Give it, give it to somebody or something, save it for the future, whatever it is, but give it a job. And make sure also that your expenses are in reasonable balances. And this is where a lot of people get off track, I think, and Dave Ramsey gives us some help about that. I think it's up on the screen, and that is uh, in, our, in our giving. First of all, our charitable giving, uh, he, these are the balances he suggests, charitable giving 10 to 15 percent, savings 5 to 10 percent. Housing, 25 to 35 percent. Utilities, five to 10 percent. Transportation, 10 to 15 percent. Food, five to 10, excuse me, five to 15 percent. Clothing, two to seven. Medical, five to 10. Personal, five to 10. And debt management, five to 10 percent. So here's the thing if you look at your income and you say, you know what, I am spending a fourth of what I make paying on debts, on credit cards in some way, then you're in trouble you're in trouble. You, you, if you're not a balance somewhere like this, you're going to find a problem. Now, here, here's what you do, how you manage that. If you know that you can stick with it, then you need to put your money in a checking account. You can use a debit card for it and pay out of that. But if you're in trouble and you're one of those people that, that are not really good with money, and that's like 95% of us probably, cash your check and use the envelope system. This is sometimes what you have to go back to. A lot of people do this all the time. They don't have to, but, but they do this. Cash your check, and that means an actual money. You don't just give them your check and put it in your account. You actually get the money back, which, and you have some cash in your hands, which makes you feel good, pretty good uh, until you start breaking it up and you see where it goes, and that's the reality of it all, right? And so you, you make an envelope system. You write an envelope for every expense you have. You write the amount on the outside of it. And for large amounts, you add to it on a, you know, a weekly basis or uh, whenever you're paid until you have the money. For example, if your mortgage is 1000 bucks, you probably can't take that out of one check. You need to take that out of maybe a, a couple or, or more or whatever it may be. So until you have it all due. And, and it would be a great feeling, especially if you're struggling, it would be a great feeling to say, wow, I've got it right there. I don't have to wonder where I'm going to find the money for the mortgage or the car payment or whatever it is. Here's the second part. Don't rob your envelopes. A lot of people will do that, and they're good, and then all of a sudden you start taking money out because you want to go out to eat or something. Don't, don't do that. It's not going to help you at all. If you choose to use a credit card, which some people do for the benefits, uh, make sure that you budget enough to pay it off every month. But whatever you do, avoid debt. Avoid debt. Last week uh, after the message, one of our older guys, uh, Paul West, uh, one of our senior saints, he, he said, uh, if you pay as you go, you'll never owe. If you pay as you go, you'll never owe. That's pretty smart, isn't it? If you got it right there, you will never owe because you're not taking out a loan for anything because you've used wisdom and you budget it. See, a budget is all about self-control and discipline, self-control and discipline. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to, 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 to take a shortcut, and you probably will fall off the wagon every now and then, but get back on, all right? And you can resist this. And a lot of this, I think, is self-control, and a lot of it's stewardship. It's understanding that God has blessed us in this way, and because He's blessed us, we want to be faithful in handling it. We want to do it right. And we also need to learn and model uh, what Jesus has modeled. That is the example He set for us. And I want to kind of, as we start wrapping up, I want to kind of look at a scripture, Matthew chapter 4, and I've never thought about this in the perspective of finances, but in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, we read about Jesus being tempted. And, and I think that's the big struggle that a lot of us have is the temptation. We know what we should do, but we're not, we don't always do it because we're tempted to do something else. And, and in Matthew 4, we see the clearest account of Jesus being tempted in, the, in a similar way. Not by money, but, but in different ways. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, and, and Satan offered him three specific temptations. You probably remember this. First of all, he was tempted to turn bread to, or stones to bread, and uh, he had been hungry, been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and, and Jesus was hungry, but Jesus responded that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, the Bible is our authority. It's, it's our source of strength, and so, so Jesus was biblical. He accepted the truth. Even though he was in the process of fulfilling the Bible, he accepted the, 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 the truth of the Bible before him. Secondly, Jesus was tempted to jump off a high point uh, of the temple in in order to force a dramatic rescue by angels. And Jesus responded that no one should ever try to force God to come to the rescue. So Jesus was sensible. That was kind of a logical, sensible thing. You, You just don't tempt God in that way. And then Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if he would only bow down and worship Satan. And Jesus responded once again that he would worship and serve God only. So Jesus was loyal to God. So we see some characteristics of Jesus here in in the time when He was personally tempted. His response to temptation can help us when we battle our own temptations, when we're tempted to make any type of decisions, and for our discussion, money decisions. So we can ask those three questions. Number one, is it biblical? Is it biblical? If we are tempted to do something, we ought to stop and ask, is it biblical? A great thing to do is, is about money decisions is to pray and ask God. You know, I, I've talked to people before who said, you know what, I've made a lot of good decisions, but I've made some really dumb decisions, and every dumb decision was one I did not pray about. Just did it. Just went and just did it. Bought, a, bought something or got into debt on something that I didn't even ask God about. And they always discover that that was a bad idea. So you always want to ask, is this biblical? Am I following the biblical principles that we talked about? Gratitude, contentment, humility, trust. Am I These practices that we've talked about, debt-free living and savings and now budgeting, uh, is it biblical? Secondly, is it sensible? Is, it, is this a smart thing to do? We all know what's smart and what's dumb. And, and sometimes we can get caught up in the midst of things. But is it smart? Is it sensible? That's a great question. And number three, is it loyal to God? Is it loyal to God? Can I I be faithful and obedient and still do this? Can I do this and still be able to give to God? You know, I have seen that people make money decisions that limit their ability to give to God. Really. And, And if you get yourself in a place where you can't return a part to God, then that's not being loyal to God. It's being disloyal. It's being selfish to what you want for yourself and you don't think about how to return to God. It's all about using wisdom. Solomon says in Proverbs 4, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Isn't that interesting? Though it costs all you have, get understanding. The Bible just continues to drive us toward looking for truth and looking for wisdom that we can find in our relationship with God. And yes, we need wisdom managing what God has blessed us with. But let me just say this in closing, that true wisdom is living in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You know, we talked earlier about counting the cost. And you know what? We can have the entire world, but if we don't have Jesus, we have nothing. We have nothing. Some of the most miserable people are those who financially are wealthy, but spiritually, they're broken, and they're in poverty. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Christ right now, but, but the bottom line is, is understanding that God's incredible love for us, He blesses us with many things, but the greatest gift of all is Jesus Christ. And when it comes to counting the cost, you need to count the cost of living without Christ, and that is extremely foolish. Foolish. Because God has given you and I so much. Let's make sure that we use it wisely. The greatest gift, not money, not things, it's our life, it's our eternity. And God has done everything possible to guarantee that we can spend that with Him. And like all choices in life, regardless of what it is, it comes to our decision, what will we do? And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, you're not, you're not using wisely the, the greatest gift you have, then I want to challenge you to decide today to follow Him. I'm going to be up front. If you want to come up and talk, there's a connection card you can jot down. I'd love to speak to someone about, uh, to a minister, about my faith or about my, my next step. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you that we can laugh and sometimes even cry together as we think about the impact of our decisions. God, thank you for this tool of money and how blessed we are in our country. God, we have everything that we need and almost all that we want. God sometimes we are just kind of selfish I pray Lord that you'll help us be wise to use your principles and your practices to be faithful in what we have but God above everything else we know that all that kind of hinges on and goes back to our real the real issue our relationship with you and Lord if there are those who this morning who do not have that right relationship or have never taken that step pray that you would move them to follow Jesus I pray in his name